Where do I start? How do I train recall? How long should we work on healing before moving on? Is crate training really that important? We hear these questions all the time and there's one answer that will help with all of them. The complete step-by-step dog training course found at Standing Stone Supply. They break down the what, when, where, and how to train your own dog from eight weeks to one year old. They've got it all laid out for you down to even the daily activity checklist to keep you and your puppy on track. Check out standingstonesupply.com and remember to use code GDIY to save 10%. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Tell me, tell me about your pointing ability. You know, tell me your nose work. Tell me your drive. Hey, uh, I see that you live an hour from me. You mind if I join you? You know, um, can you send me a video? Anybody at this point can send a video. You know, I want to see what that dog is doing that benefits what I want to do. One thing we all love to do with our dogs is hit the road and go on new adventures. In order for that to happen, we have to be able to safely and efficiently travel with our dogs. Dakota 283 is dedicated to building unparalleled pet protection and tailgate lifestyle products for you and your best friends. Their one-piece roto-molded kennels have many options such as the Hero Series for military-grade crates, T1 low-profile kennels that will fit truck beds with tonneau covers, and their most popular G3 Series that's available in any size you'll need. Dakota not only offers many different sizes and styles of kennels, they also offer products and accessories to help with food and water transport, truck bed storage, and even grooming stations. Have a new puppy and only want to buy one kennel instead of buying multiple ones as they grow? Look at the Forever Kennel Insert Divider that gives you the ability to buy a kennel now and adjust the size inside as needed. No matter what you need to get you on your next adventure with your dog, Dakota has it for you. Check them out now at Dakota283.com. Your new 283 lifestyle is just one click and free shipping away. Welcome back to another week of GDIY, everybody. Joe, what's happening, man? Living the dream. Great weekend <laughs> of uh, some football. It's actually nice and rainy right now in uh, in Nashville, so can't really get much done. But good, good solid weekend, good solid week. How about you? I'm doing great, man. I, I feel the nice rainy Misery, slow talking energy from you right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you could probably hear the uh, the rain, the rain in my microphone on the background. Yep. And I had well, I was I'll say I had my father in law uh, in town this week, and I'm like living vicariously through him because he's he's getting into some quail in Texas. Yeah, they're back. So, the quail are back. They're they're slowly coming back. So that's that's really good that's yeah. good. It's the the one year that you can't get down there and hunt them. Uh, he, he's he's having success. I might I might uh I might have something up my sleeve trying to get over there, trying uh, to plan like a dual Valentine's Day where I'm like, hey, wifey, <laughs> you want to go over and spend Valentine's Day with your parents? 
and then we might steal away. Uh, well, once again, it's a good thing Kaylee doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, speaking of the podcast, you want to tell everybody what we have for them this week? Blaine and Jason Carter. Yep. We got Staples. um. What'd you say? Staples, man. They're, Staples. They're, they're Navda Staples. I want to say Blaine. You'll hear it in the episode, but his judge number was like twelve. I think it was. Uh, so that they've been around for a little while and, uh, you know, wealth of knowledge. It, it's it. I love talking to these guys. You know, Scott kind of linked us up a, a few weeks ago. And every time I've gotten to talk to them, I come away learning something. And, and I really enjoy it. And this this week, uh, this is the first of two parts with them. And we kind of cover a lot of ground. Uh, we speak uh, a lot of, you know, how to find the right breeder, how to find the right line within that breeder, some questions asked the breeder, but also in return, the, so, you know, what the questions that the breeder should be asking the buyer and what are some of the expectations that the buyer should have or the breeder should have of the buyer. So kind of a nice little uh, getting in the breeder's head headspace and uh, a new perspective that you don't really hear a lot about and uh, really just good information on really how this is a, a relationship that doesn't end just when you pick out a pup or when you go home with it. It, it really is. Uh, Jason, Jason talks about it being a marriage and uh, you know, you're not getting rid of them after you buy one of his dogs. And so it, it's a, mm-hmm. uh, it's a lot of good information this week. Yeah. And it's one of my favorite episodes because there's a lot of good information, but it, you know, it's fun. And sometimes, you know, it, the, the discussion goes a little off course and everything like that, but it's just really a discussion between three, three dog people, man. And, yeah. and you can just hear how much, you know, they, they love what they do and um, they just love dogs. So I think yeah. that's, th- those are one of my favorite episodes where it's just, you know, you're, you're basically sitting, sitting in the garage with them hearing what they're having to say. No, absolutely. So it's it's a lot of good info and uh, fun convo, and it, it does go kind of a bunch of different ways. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy that. But uh, yeah, I guess you know some normal housekeeping. Uh, we did do the Dakota two eighty three giveaway for surpassing a hundred Patreon patrons. Uh, the, congratulations to David Funk for winning that Dakota kennel. And uh, awesome. yeah, and I, I would really like to. Thank everybody that's uh, signed up for Patreon. It really means a lot that anybody even listens to us, let alone uh, supports this podcast and uh, some of the content and ideas that we have coming out in the future. It, it really means a lot that we have a uh, hundred plus people now supporting this podcast and what we're trying to do over here. Yep. And we'll do more giveaways in the future. And um, just like with the training camp where, you know, those Patreon patrons got kind of first dibs on that. Um, more things in the future if you sign up for patreon you get first to know a bunch of stuff so definitely sign up yep you want to tell everybody where they can find the patreon well you can find everything on gun dog yourself.com you can find it there but if you want the direct route it's patreon.com forward slash gun dog yourself uh I like to have all my stuff in one spot, though. <laughs> I want to go on the Gun Dog Yourself Instagram. I can do that. Yep. I want to, you know, go on to Patreon. I kind of like, you know, one-stop shop. For yep. Me. No, absolutely. And uh, hopefully we're going to have a lot of stuff coming out on the website. I'm going to put up some uh, kind of uh, 
the t- tutorials for some of our sponsors and some of the products that we've had and, and, and speak to a little bit more. And, you know, like the Dakota, we just got some Dakotas down here, uh, made the switch over to that. And so I uh, got some good pointers and uh, benefits that it brought my way ma- making the switch. And so just to highlight something like that. So, you know, be sure to check out the, the website for more future content in that regard. And uh, well, go ahead. Well, speaking of a, uh you putting some how to's and everything like that on the website. You got a hot tip of the week. Fine, Joe, I'll give you a hot tip of the week. Uh, (laughs) this time of year, man, hunting season's, uh, pretty much wrapped up for the majority of the country. It's, but still short days. Um, winter in a lot of areas so a lot of people are doing obedience inside and uh you know a lot of people automatically associate uh force fetch with that but one thing that's really good to touch on is place training and um don't feel like you have to have a fancy place board you don't have to have a coda board you don't have to have a, a specialty board per se for it uh just because it's called a place board you can use a mat i mean you i've mm-hmm. seen people use um the uh, floor mats out of their trucks, the rubber mats out of their shop, Um, you know, start training your dog place in a lot of different environments using a bunch of different tools and you can apply that anywhere, you know, maybe use Mm -hmm. a a piece of plywood, try and elevate it, use the mat, use a dog bed, use a dog platform inside the house. You can get some reps for place inside the house. Uh, you know, start doing it with a lot of smaller objects. You know, I've done some place training with just my hat, just something to put on the ground to associate, like, don't leave the spot. Uh, you know, it's something that you can do anywhere with anything and it, it's really good training and it, it's, it's a direct link towards some behaviors in the house. It's impulse control for the dog. Uh, It's going to give you better behavior and a better companion inside the house. But then also when you go duck hunting or steadiness or any of the testing, you know, it's a very simple, quick training session that you can do that can directly lend itself to testing and, and hunting uh, later on in the year. Wow. What a tip. (laughs) There you go. That's what you come here for, right? Exactly. But, well, Nick, I got to go help my uh, my wife in the kitchen right now. Uh, we're going to come see you this weekend and bring you a whole bunch of food. So, okay, I don't know what that's about, but all right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Surprise! <laughs> all right. Well, I hope you guys enjoy, and uh, we'll see you back next week for uh, part two with the Carters. But uh, pay attention to part one because it's a it's a great episode. Hope you guys enjoy. Picture this. You just finished a long day's hunt or a long day in the training field grooming your next champion. You've run through your entire string of dogs in anticipation for the next fall. You think the day's over. It's not, though. Your day's not over until you let that ugly dog hunt. No hunting or training session is complete without capping it off with one of the spirits from Ugly Dog Distillery. They're Michigan-raised and purebred handcrafted spirits. They have everything you need from vodka and gin to your more traditional after-hunt choice Kentucky bourbon. Head on over to UglyDogDistillery.com to check availability within your state. And if you have an upcoming event that's alcohol-friendly, then be sure to reach out to us and see if we can add another Ugly Dog to the lineup. We'll tell you right now, we aren't much on flavored whiskeys, but you have to try their peanut butter whiskey. Unlike other peanut butter whiskeys out there, Ugly Dogs is made with real Kentucky bourbon and not just grain alcohol with syrup. So after your next hunt or a long day of testing and you're trying to decide what to drink, reach for the bottle with Ruger, the German wire hair pointer on it. It was handcrafted by people just like us, dog people. Every adventure starts somewhere. Make sure yours includes an ugly dog at your side. 
Explore responsibly. All right, everybody. We're joined this week with Jason and Blaine Carter. Guys, how y'all doing this evening? Hey, we're doing fine. How about you? Great. So I guess just go ahead and let's start off and uh, introduce you, you guys and uh, kind of talk us through your experience with uh, dealing with dogs and breeding and all that fun stuff. Well, well, I'll start with myself, you know, being the older gentleman in the group. Um, uh, I started I started many years ago uh, running Weimaraners, to actually be truthful with you. And I had a couple of Weimaraners that didn't seem to work out. And then I got a short hair and then the short hair worked out for us. And, and I've stayed with them ever since. Uh, I guess it would have been if the dog had worked for what I needed when I started, I would be today be with them. And that, geez, that was almost 50 years ago. So, so you got your first short hair 50 years ago after the WAM and you've just stuck with them ever well, since? I actually was in the military. And, and while I was in the military, my dream was to come home to go bird hunting. And I wanted to get, okay. and I happened to have, I rescued a, Bird uh, Weimaraner out of a dog pound in Japan. I was uh, I was a training NCO for training at Yokota Air Force Base. So Rip, the dog, came home with us, and he was gun sensitive, uh, aggressive, aggressive, <laughs> maybe. Eight the mail man. But pretty much, if I shot the bird and he didn't run, he would eat it anyway. So it was. <laughs> so I had a wife that said, "Let's just try to repeat this one more time." So we got a dog named Tama. Well, Tama couldn't point, and she probably taught me more about pointing with a non-pointing dog than anything you would ever imagine. And then I took that dog, but she was retrieved like crazy, but she didn't like the water. But if I got her wet, she was great. So if I went duck hunting or I went anywhere, I had to kick her overboard, get her wet, and then she was good. (laughs) Right? So there was some problems in the early days. And then I had a friend who was a professional trainer in the area, and I see this advertisement, and I got involved with this NAVDA group in in. He had this short hair, and I got I, I he said, if you're w- willing to take it through the process, I will give you this dog. I think he gave it out of pity. I don't know, but he gave me a short hair. I'm going to tell you what. Back in the day, she was some, she was the ugliest looking short hair you ever wanted to see in this world. <laughs> but she was the meat dog of the year. And she would find birds. I was shooting birds over and she was crazy. And it just attached me because it had the abilities. And that was an amazing time. So that's kind of where we are right now. Well, piggyback on that. uh, This is uh, Jason Carter. Um, I'm uh, Blaine's son. And uh, uh, I was, I think, I think, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think I was born in a whelping box, to be honest with you. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I mean, I started off with having, of course, a, a Weimaraner in my bed and having short hairs in the bed, and um, seeing my father train dogs growing up in the backyard, and uh, I kind of was uh, indoctrinated by uh, what he was doing, and uh, kind of fell in love with, of course, the versatile breeds, and uh, so you know, I mean, being being 
at every clinic and trying being an ADHD kid, trying to sit and trying to pull it all together at a uh, clinic and trying to, to, to enjoy myself. And I think I pretty much climbed every tree at every clinic trying to keep entertained. But, you know, I mean, I, I grew up in the NAVDA system. You know, my, I think my father was, what are you, judge number 12 or 13? I'm 12. He's 12. So, so he nah. kind of was one of the, uh, the founders of, of, of the organization. And, uh, no, I wouldn't put it there. I, I, I came a, a few years later and the whole number system was, was different. There wasn't many people in the organization back then that were. Well, the founder was often at our house and. Well, yeah. Bodo, Bodo did, did frequent this place. Yeah. So. I think it, was my wife, but I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I started off with um, just just watching him train and then uh, working myself eventually. I went, you know, went off to college and, and uh, you know, growing up, you, you you get the deaf and the blind dogs, you know, once they retire. You know, those are, those are the dogs yeah. I got, you know. And, uh, yeah. you know, my father would be off hunting. And then uh, my mother kind of picked up uh, hunting a little bit during that time and, so she wanted to spend time with her son. So, you know, we, her and I connected and we would go off and, and steal some of his covers and go, go hunt birds. And, you know, I kind of fell in love with it right then. And then, you know, school yeah. started off, off I went to college and, uh, and they, they, they were kind enough to give me one of their versatile champions from NAVDA. And, um, so I, I got to take her up to college and hunt the weekends and that was a really good time. And, well, um, a lot of friends. We we spent a lot of time doing some really rednecks things up the northern Maine, you know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know. And then uh, once once I graduated college and and I uh, got married and yeah, uh, they provided me my first dog. And, yeah. And and he was he was he took me through the ringer for sure. You know, he was he he really set the bar at the same time. You know, he was amazing. Gotcha. Oh my you know, God, he said a high bar. Yeah, but you know, you know, an easy dog doesn't teach you much. You know, no, <laughs> no, it's the troublesome but, ones that you exactly. learn from. I always said he was on the edge of destruction and perfection. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Love yep. it. so so this is clearly a, a family endeavor for you yep. guys, and, and and being up up in Maine, you know, it's just like you've been doing this for fifty some odd years, and you you went through college doing this you're you're you know hunting with your mother training dogs all this this stuff so it's like you know tell everybody where you're at now the the kennels that you're running and, and you know your experience with training and the and the genetics and why it's so important to really map this stuff out from a, a breeding perspective well it's an amazing thing um when you look at when you professionally train and i like to Say that I have the opportunity to have Jason, and I guess sometimes um, an educator's best student teaches you something, and it's amazing if you keep an open eye how the student brings things back into perspective. And one of the perspectives that seemed to come to light was to see some of these genetic things that occur in different lines of dogs. And what you, as a professional, have to overcome. And, you know, when people buy a particular breed and they start bringing these breeds to surface, um, they sometimes they come with a problem or sometimes they come with a disposition that's not made for where, they, where their hopes may be wanting to go to. If you think about, like, breeders that um, 
are starting a line, you know, you know, they're going to, they're going to pick up where, where, what was provided for, you know, you know, right. you know, I remember, you know, when I was talking about the dog I took to college, you know, she was a personal champion. I mean, she had issues. I mean, yeah. She was a little soft, you know, and, and she was, yeah. she, she had, she had some softness that, that wasn't conducive to training in some aspects. Um, fantastic dog. Don't get me wrong, but, but those, it inspired us or my father to go to Germany and bring in his first DK dog, you know, and, and what, what, what we're looking for in the breeding is balance. You know, if you think about, um, training a dog, you're looking for the true balance of the dog, you you know, mental, you know, all the, all the normal hunting traits, but a dog that, that is balanced, um, in character to, to where it's conducive to training. And, right. and, and so if you think about the lines that you get is you're, you're ultimately wanting to get a dog that is correct. The dog that has all right. the attributes. Uh, going back a little bit, one of the things that comes to mind to me is back in the day, there was a certain breed. I can remember like with a shot here, it was this um, hustler dog. And if you look at uh, some of the pronounced breeders in the short hair world, that hustler dog brought something to the table. Jim Riser hooked up with him, and all of a sudden, we looked at natural abilities coming off. I mean, he was getting prize ones with dogs he's multiple times on on his breedings, and all of a sudden, it surfaced itself. So what what you have to remember is in the early days, the 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 dogs that we were looking at, most of us are bird hunters. We never looked at the versatility. All of a sudden this versatility right. world came came to life. We were we're American field in its origin. So we were looking at strong pointing but lack of water. Uh, the retrieving drives might might not be up to what we want, you know. Um, there were certain things that occurred that um, made certain things more advantageous than they were at that particular time. I can remember when, when I first started, I was running an American Bird Dog Club. In, it was the main bird dog club at the time, and I took a shot here there. I never got through the back course. I never got to the bird field because my dog found so many in the back course. And these dogs ran through it, went out in the bird field, had their two fines in the back or whatever they got when I finally got there, and I lose it. And you know, I was losing because my dog didn't even run that big. But it taught me something. It taught me something. This was the mindset of America back in the day. So when, when I was selecting the versatility breeding, it changed the perspective of, of, of what, where we were heading. So – what I'm leading into is that this hustler dog put us in the versatility world, but he had a disposition, his sensitivity, his strength of being able to take training. He could take training pressure. He could take certain things, brought a new thing to the table, but everybody used him. And this is why I went to Germany. I needed an out dog because I was strong in this brain. But I didn't. I didn't want to get into this line breathing. I didn't want to get too tight on this stuff. And when I did right. get tight on this stuff, 
there were certain characteristics that came out genetically in the third generation. Third generation is a bad generation to get into. You find your good and your bad. It's a great generation to get into. But if you can nail it, if you can nail that sucker, I'm going to tell you right now, if if it's what you want for a hunting dog, you better get into it because that's a dog you want. Nick, do you understand what he's saying there? Yeah, go ahead and explain that for the listener so that everybody's tracking because I, I definitely want to talk about the importance sure. of sure. when you have a genetic I mean, package person. in every, every line. You have, you have certain right. traits you're after. Usually, the dog has these certain genetic characteristics, and you know, with it, with 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 all the good, there's always some bad. Okay, and so you you. You, you breed to the third generation. So the first generation is like what you perceived. It has the right qualities that you want in a hunting dog, in a testing dog or whatever venue you're in. And then you go to the second generation, you get it again. But then you hit that third generation and often you're going to find whatever skeletons you had. You know, so, interesting. So, yeah. So it bring what it, it's interesting for whatever reason that third generation really draws out um, some of your issues. It's, it's kind of the, the, make, the make or break time. Yeah, that only occurs yeah. on line breeding, though. Like for instance, okay. our kennel, we are what we call a mother line breeding kennel. That means we breed. Uh, let's say. I have a female. I breed it. I, I get an out male, and I breed it to this dog. And I take. The, I'm taking a female for my next dog, because I know that I, selectively I can get the dogs I need more owning a female than I do own a male. For those people out there that are breeding and said, "Well, I got a great male. Well, how do you put a female? How, what makes it great? You know." The female dictates who she right. wants to come to it. And if the owner says, I want to come to it, well, why? Right? What What are you going? And that leads me into a question that probably your listeners want to hear. The number one question to ask any dog breeder, why are you breeding? Mm. Right. What are you, what are you Absolutely. trying to approve, improve? Yep. I tell it, I advise everybody when you're talking to these breeders and you ask them what's something that you're trying to improve on your line. If a, if a breeder tells you nothing, it's great. It's, I have exactly what I want. Then you need to run, uh, because the good breeders, the proven breeders are always trying to improve their lines for one way or another. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and you want to to ask the question, um, what is the weakness? What it was, what is you have a weakness in your line. What is that? You know, and an honestly, you're right. going to put you put you right there and say, "Hey, this is this is what I'm bringing toward. This is my weakness." Um, yeah. And uh, and what that does is, you know, it lets you know that okay, you know, this is this is where where the line is, and this is where they want to go. This is their problem areas, and this is where you know. And at the same time, you know, you got to think, well, does that breeder, if it has that much problem, why are you breeding that problem forward? You know, and right. so there's a, there's there's a, as much question and answer that goes along to the breeder as there is to the buyer. You know, Correct. you got you got to go both sides of the fence, you know, and a really good buyer is asking those breeders those questions. And a really good breeder is asking those buyers the same questions. You know, they're bouncing back. Right. Why do you want this puppy? 
You know, well, what are you looking for in the puck? And if the buyer can't answer those, we'll move on as well. You got to think. and so, I mean, that's so important is it's very hard just to find the right breeder, right? And then say, let's jump on the other side of the fence and go to the side with the buyer right now. Oh. I'm buying my first dog. You know, I come to you guys. I, you're the right breeder. We've, we've talked and everything. How do we start figuring out how, how is a first time puppy buyer start weeding out which line and which pairing they want to select you know maybe the litter that you have planned a few months from now isn't the right one for me maybe the one that you're planning you know potentially a year from now is is really the right one for me how as a buyer do i start distinguishing that is it just really a hundred percent trust in the breeder well the first thing is that i i want to bring to the table right now is you've got to for you to a- ask that question you have to know a lot about me, what I've done. You've done some work. It, you've researched. Maybe you've gone into the NAVDA testing process. You looked at the process. Um, you see the test scores. Uh, you may be, who knows? You, you could be shoot to retrieve. You could be AKC hunting. You could be, you could be um, American field. Well, you need to establish the game priorities first. And does that priority meet what you want in your next hunting dog or or, or where you want, where you perceive yourself wanting to go to? Hey, can I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. So, so if I'm, if I'm, I'm just a meat hunter. I want, I want sharp tail. I want hunts. I want quail. I want rough grouse and woodcock. Yep. What do you need to know? I, I need to know if your line's going to support what I what game I want to play. Okay. Because for me, for me, yeah. You know, I'm a meat guy. Uh, I want that type of hunter. Right. So you need to not only know. Well, I've got, I've hunted sharp tail. I've hunted hunts. Cubby bears. What does your dog do on those birds? field cubby bears with many eyes? I got to have strong pointing. Right. Yep. I got to have strong pointing. I'm in open ground. I like more run. Maybe American fields the way you want to go with huge pointing. I don't, I don't have any problem with that. But the number one game in all of this is if you want to solidify you, what about cooperation? The dog that's able to switch gears, but is, will, is he willing to listen? The trainability comes into there. What is cooperation? Well, great question. Cooperation. (laughs) No, cooperation is those little things that the dog wants to know. He wants to know if he's okay. He wants to know, he wants to know where you are. Even though he runs big, he still wants to check back. He's still, he's still attached to you. He's able to switch gears, but he likes you. Right, he's not so independent that he doesn't care about anything. But go and find a game, and if you want to come with me, go find it. Now, I don't want you got to understand if you want that open age and you want that open all age dog in American field, you want that. If that's a game you're playing, I don't have any problems with it. Well, well, let's let's play that. So, can you have can you play both games? 
I, I would say you could. I would say, like, if I could take up my grouse stuff here in Maine, hunting woodcock, tight, thick cover, and I go out to Saskatchewan and hunt those big fields, I have. Right. And here's the deal. I went, and I did allow my dog to open up. This is a shot here. It's not an English pointer. It's not a mile out, and I didn't send the scouts out after it. But I was on this hillside, and I don't know how far were we down there. We we're probably 500, 600 yards away. I'm, I'm looking back at my wife to solidify <laughs> this. But we're 600, mile, 600 yards away from the dog. The dog is down on this old railroad bed pointing shop tails. And I'm going, do you believe her? And she's just standing there. I didn't get halfway down that hill before they blew out. <laughs> yep. Right? So I'm telling you, it, it's, it's amazing. These dogs, but you need to do your research. You need to understand, is that the game you want to play? And is that the target people you want to go at? Now ask the right questions. Now, now, Nick, I, I've, I've heard the other side of the coin where, where you take in um, big running dogs and try to bring them into the main woods. And, right. and, and they've struggled, you know, as far as my experience goes with, with the few that I have seen, is that they, they run too big. You don't know where they're at. They're out there. They may be honest, but, you, you know, it takes you five minutes to, to get to the grouse. So that's five Yep. Long yes. yeah, you know yeah. place, you know, and the grouse, is gone. he's yeah. gone. So the time you get anywhere near the dog, the grouse is set up on you and it's gone. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So again, it, let, let's go back to, I'm buying a puppy from you guys <clears throat> and I've decided that I want, want one of y'all's dogs. Is it really as simple as me just telling you what game I want to play? You know, is it really just simple as me just saying I, I want to be a meat hunter or I want to do trials or I want to do NAVDA or I want to do both? And then you guys kind of set me up with the right line for me. Is it really that simple? Well, what I'm going to what, what I'm first going to figure out is is I'm going to cross cross um, examine you similar to Johnny Cochran and OJ Simpson case. You know, <laughs> you're going to you're going to get you're going to you know, a lot of people come to us like like they're in the power seat like of, of making the you know, and I, I come to you, you know, and I'm going to get one. You want me to buy your puppy. Yeah. It doesn't work yep. that way. You know, I mean, I want to no. know I want to know how much of a hunter you are. I want to I want to I want to I want to examine you and I want I want to know that you have the time the 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 ability to see every ounce of talent that goes into that dog. Hold on there. He wants to steal their covers. That too. <laughs> I try to get as many local buyers as I can. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to go hunt with the dog. I got to see him in action. Why don't you just take me to one of the spots that you found? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that, that is, that is a good point because just fitting, because a lot of people do go to these breeders with, the mentality that you just described, like I'm doing you a favor by wanting to buy your dog. And this is like, this is not you going to choose where you're going to dinner. The good breeders want to make sure that their pups end up in the best homes and the best situation for them, because that really is how they develop the line and get the feedback that they really need about those pups. Uh, you hit it. You hit it. feedback. 
we want to know if if the generic characteristic is is there. That's the first thing, and and that that's that's very important. And the second thing is trainability. Can the average guy train him? Am I creating a dog? Only certain profiles can be able to handle him, or, or am I training a dog that um, uh, the local people here come buy one of my dogs, they go out in the woods, and these dogs perform, and they perform early and perform at, at, at just just a genetic package just erupts in front of them. Hey, can, can I back up a little bit on you, your breeding program? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was your, what was your, when you, when Aspen, your, your dog, you bring out from Germany, uh, what, what was her genetic package? What was her trainability? If you thought about her, her, oh my <laughs> God, you wanted to, I cannot say what I'm thinking <laughs> to the bottom. <laughs> this was, in crazed hunting dog. When she went through the woods, I said, I don't know why Grouse stood for her because she was on a mission, an absolute mission. And I thought she was going to eat her first bond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I swear to God, yeah, yeah. she didn't like puppies. She just didn't have it. And I didn't want this dog. Somebody told me I needed this dog. And I ended up, my wife, um, um, brought these dogs into life for for a gentleman, and he said, "I'm going to give you for the, for for my wife whelping this litter. I'm going to give you this dog, and you got to have this dog." It was the biggest headache I had in my life. <laughs> my first PK, right? <clears throat> when I settled that dog, water. I don't care what the water was. What the, she at four months, five months of age. Excuse me. I I happened to be walking down the shore. I shot a black duck. Ice flows. It was the last of the season. This dog saw that duck. Didn't stay. Broke off the bank. Went out. Jumped on an iceberg. <laughs> right. The iceberg is wobbling. She's running around chasing this duck, trying to get out from it, and eventually dove underwater. In this freezing water, grabbed that duck, come back to show, and gave it to me. And this is, I would think, was the most uncooperative thing in the world. So, Nick, if you think about it, how many times you've asked the answered the question, you know, what's the difference between a male and a female? Yep. Right. We're actually right. going to be covering that up here uh, in the next week or two. Okay. Yeah, the, okay. the stereotypes and all you that. Answer yep. that question, but right now we yep. experience that question. You know, I mean, yep. if you if you take a female like that, I mean, that, I, have you had a male that worked that hard and that you know? I mean, it is you did. No, I, I certainly had a male that was like that, but yeah. you had a female that, that, with the same temperament. Yeah, exact same thing. Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> which is so when you have Aspen, when you which Aspen this dog <laughs> produced yeah, that dog. Yeah, yeah. but oh, okay, she brought she brought to the market. A whole new world to me because I needed to get out of back then in the NAVDA world, I got too tight in the process. So I had to get out. So I started bringing out dogs in. And this was a no one, no one in North America had one of these dogs. These are DKs. And I brought them into it and mixed them into the process. Well, when I mixed them, I 
probably was the sacrilegious child, you know, you just don't do that stuff. But I said, my, my philosophy was this, anything to make a dog better is what we're about. They right. come out of a pointing attitude, uh, a shoot, uh, I mean, um, American field prodigy bringing versatiles into the world. We're getting tight, too tight, and I need out dogs to come in. I need to get the disposition I want. And one of the things found at that time was we didn't pay attention to disposition. We didn't pay attention to nervous system. We went on drive, we went on retrieving, we went on all those prospects, but we didn't look at the solidifier that makes cooperation work, is that it's a disposition to be able to control its emotions. And the Germans had a stability in there that it sometimes was crazy and it was very willful, but it was solid. And I like bringing that into the line. So if, if a new buyer came to me and say, why did you put that German dog into there? I put it in there because I, I had softness. I wanted to build the strength in that desire. So, and I wanted, right. I want, I wanted to, to get the cooperation and the balance necessary. So you brought up the word balance again. So if we took, we took a, you know, you took the Aspen. There, there's, there's qualities of Aspen that you loved. Just Aspen was the hard driver. Just, just qualities just, I didn't like. But there were qualities <laughs> that you didn't like, right? Yeah. So if you think about being a breeder, you know, or a buyer for you. So so you have first-generation Aspen buyers. Yeah. You know, what did it take for you to be like, okay, you can handle one of these dogs? I mean, it's, if you talk about the buyer pool. Well, I actually got an invitational on her. Right. So so yeah. you're first. So, so you're like, okay, she has all the qualities. I mean, man, she can hunt. Man, she can retrieve. She can do everything I ask her to do, but man, she's hard to train. Yeah. So so when you as a breeder were pulling in your first set of buyers, what were you looking for? Oh my first <laughs> Oh my first set. When they came in, I had a screen like crazy. Oh my God. I didn't know. I wanted people that understood versatiles. I, cu- I couldn't sell them to the to the average person coming in at that at that particular time in my life, and and because of this podcast right now, this is exactly the information you want to hear because this isn't Joe Blow. These are guys that need to be around the 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 horn a few times before I I didn't sell any dogs to the, to the average guy. I had to sell. Dogs, the people who were in contact with me understood the dog, and that's the neat thing about dog breeding is 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 when you get into this process and you've got a bunch of people following you, you, you have this selective group of people coming in. So somebody coming from the outside need to have some information before they come in because they might not get the opportunity. No, absolutely. I agree with that. And so I'm just curious to get your take. You know, you you talk about, you've mentioned drive and trainability and balance. You know, what are your thoughts on, uh, I hear it a lot, especially first time owners. They say that they, 
They want the craziest high drive dog that they can find. And just from my anecdotal experience and outsider looking in, I, I feel like that's really kind of developed because you have a lot of people that think that that high drive forgives a lot of flaws on the training side of things that you can go hunt those dogs because they have the drive to forgive the shortcomings as a trainer that you are. So what, what are your, what's your take on that? Is there some element of truth to that or am I just wrong on thinking that? Yeah, way? there probably is. There probably is. But the, the, the real, the real problem is, is this. If you, if you're training a dog and the cooperation isn't there, they're so crazy they don't understand that or don't want it. It's it's like it's like two banner rams coming back and forth and banging off each other. There's gotta be this little magic cooperation that comes in there. If they're so independent and so out there and there's not this solidifier, the balance in all dogs is a magic little word. It is a huge world word. It's called cooperation. If the dog does not want to work, he's independently working for something else, you're going to be batting on that thing. You're going to be constantly, negatively trying to adjust certain things. So and- my, my, my question would be, why, why are you going to that extreme? Why are you trying to grab the high driver, the, 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 the dog that's pushing yeah. that hard? What are you lacking where you feel like you need to go to that dog? Or, or, or right. what, when you're thinking about lines, what is that line lacking where you want to go to the high driver? You know, yeah. if you think about a dog that, that has balance, like he's talking about, why, you wouldn't need to go to the high driver. You know, I mean, yep. I personally, I, I agree with you. I mean, I love the hard, hard driving, you know, and, um, that, that independent, that, that strong driver, the dog that, that, you know, is forgiving. A little bit of F U in it. Yeah. Go ahead. And it's just a little bit of that F U in it, really. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it really is. But as far as living with the dog, hunting with the dog, training the dog, you got to ask yourself, is it really worth it? <laughs> like, you know, if you're banging your head against the wall over and over again. Well, just think if you're living in your house, your wife lives with you, doesn't she? <laughs> yep. If you can't, I think she so. gets a little upset. You don't get your dinner on time. You don't do whatever, oh, whatever. Boy, oh, no. Right? <laughs> what the hell? It's the same thing when you talk to <laughs> Okay, I, I want to diss myself from that comment. <laughs> uh, so you're saying my wife needs a little more cooperation, yeah. huh? Yeah. <laughs> But to his point, you know, I mean, you're looking for a dog that, you know, let's face it, a lot of us, you know, our dogs live in our home. You know, I mean, a long time ago, you know, you you would steal the hound out of a dog if you brought him into your home. Well, that's not the case anymore. Yep. We, we, we know that, right. you know, the dog is a good citizen in your home, hopefully. You know, so you need a temperament that, you know, you got to live with the SOB. You know, exactly. And the average, the average person, are you going to spend more time with the dog on a nightly basis inside your house? Or are you going to spend more time in the field hunting? Uh, you know, it's, uh, we all like to think that we would hunt on a regular basis, but life gets in the way. Work gets in the way family. You know, you're not going to be able to hunt that dog as much as you live with it. And so 
I tell everybody I, I prize cooperation in my dogs and trainability more so than drive because I feel like if you can if you can kind of train and figure out what makes that dog tick, the drive is going to be there when you need it. Exactly. And so if you're living you know, with that, that dog, you know, and, and, and that dog's in your home and that dog's got to be a good citizen, you know, when, where, where does, when, when does your training end? I mean, your training doesn't end at dark. Dog's living no. in your home. Around the clock. Yeah. You're 24 seven in that training. You know, and a lot is gleaned from in the home training. You know, there's a lot yeah. of substantial things that happen in your home while you're training that dog from from pampers to grampers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I I really like to get into a program later on on a home etiquette. But I I want to get back to something. Is that okay. you know the cooperation, the, the ability to settle, the ability to control its emotion, right? The ability to to do certain things that you want from the dog. And to get back to the origin, when you're picking a breed, all these discussions we talk, may it be uh, cooperation, drive. We haven't talked about desire. Desire for game. The want for game. Have your dog hunted? If you're going to be a hunter, has he been to the field? Has a breeder has a breeder actually brought the dog to the field? And then the questions to ask him: What do you hunt? How does he do? What's his pointing attitude? Uh, does he retrieve? Oh, he doesn't like retrieve. He's mouthy with his retrieve. Is he high mouth with his retrieve? It's just a whole gauntlet of stuff there. Oh man, that is huge! Oh my god, that that that's a podcast on itself, right there. Yep. I mean, yep. when you're picking a breeder, are you, what are you picking? I mean, you're 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 picking a breeder that does what you do. You know, I mean, if you're yep. picking a breeder for a specific type of hunting. You know, you're picking those attributes yep. that that are going to magnify themselves in the field. Okay, great. Yep. So so I'm in the Northeast. I'm picking a breeder that hunts woodcock and grouse a lot, you know? So, so if I'm a buyer, I'm asking that breeder, I mean, how many days in the field are you? I mean, what do you know about your dog? I mean, tell me, tell me about your pointing ability. You know, tell me your nose work, tell me your drive. Hey, uh, I see that you live an hour from me. You mind if I join you? You know, um, can you send me a video? Anybody at this point can send a video. You know, I want to see yeah. what that dog is doing that benefits what I want to do. You know, and, and as a buyer, yep. that is that 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 pays itself in dividends. You know, I mean, you think about absolutely nothing bigger than that. I want a buyer that does yep. what I do. You know, not only do yep. that, I want a breeder. Excuse me, I want a breeder that does what I do, and I want I want I want to know that when they when they go hunting, it, it, it's for the season. I mean, they they hunt. 40, 60 days a year. Okay. Because yeah. that breeder has problems. That breeder has great things about their dogs. And they're going to, they're going to, if they've been in the game long enough, they're going to create a dog that benefits them in the woods. And that's what I'm all about. You know, for, for me, it's hunting. It's, 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 that's the end game. Because, you know, you can have testing dogs that are great in the woods, you can have testing dogs that are terrible in the woods. You know, 
And yeah. if I if I show up to your house as a buyer and I said, hey, man, I've heard nothing but great things about you. Take me hunting. I, I don't even need to bring a gun. Let me just watch you hunt. You know, there's a lot yeah. you can glean from that, from videos, from whatever. Hey, I want to ask Absolutely. you a question. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're coming to me for a to pick a puppet. Okay. Yeah. What do you want? Me personally, I want the grouse and woodcock dog because that's what I enjoy doing down here. I mean, but kind of what kind of what Jason just said, grouse and woodcock in the northeast is a little different than grouse and woodcock in the southeast, also. So while I might have a dog out of you guys that would do just fine on grouse and woodcock clearly because that's what you guys do it may be worth trying to find a guy that does that more so down here in the southeast uh you know it's a give and take on all that and then you know i'm gonna kind of play it say this as a joke but it's kind of where i want to go next as a buyer i'm gonna come to you and be like i'll buy your puppy if i get pick of the litter first of all i bred the puppy and you're gonna understand as a breeder I don't, I'm not breeding puppies to put them out to the world. I'm breeding my next hunting dog. Yeah, but you could be a breeder that does yep. that. Well, not I, you. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> going to speak for me first. Yeah. yeah. So I, my next breeding, I'm getting my next dog. So you're mm-hmm. not going to get the choice of the litter. Yeah. Well, and I, I said that as a oh, joke yeah. because – I honestly, I tell everybody, I'm like, look, if you find the right breeder and you have the right fit and y'all and you're comfortable with the line, I don't care about picking the dog. I trust the breeder to to match up the puppy with me. So I, I want to talk about how you guys as breeders go about selecting the right puppy for the person. And so maybe there is a listener out there that does get the pick of the litter and he doesn't want to just trust the breeder. How does he go about selecting the right dog for him so i mean as far as yeah i see what you're saying um as far as a breeder goes um i want i want to i'm going to ask you a bunch of questions i am going to try to get to the bottom of what type of hunter are you what are you willing to do i i want to know that that as a breeder that you're willing to and ultimately hunt the dog as much as possible i mean and for me you know i'm asking you a ton of questions you know, and I would hope you're asking me a ton of questions. And if you're not, you're probably not the guy for me or girl for me. I'm looking for a person that is willing to, I mean, for me, it's, it's just hunting. I mean, I want a dog. I want a person that can hunt the dog as much as possible. Do you have the time? Do you have the training? Do you have the, the ability to give the dog what, what it deserves? You know, first of all, and if you're that person, fantastic. Okay, let's go down that road. Um, and, and if you're talking about what, what, as a breeder, you know, what I'm looking in for a buyer, well, yeah, I'm looking for, for ultimately a, a, a person that is willing to hunt, willing to hunt a lot, yeah. you know, and, and, and if you don't have the time, I, I'm going to, I'm not, I'm going to bypass you. I'm going to move on because, because I, as a breeder, I'm putting puppies into the hands of people that do have the time, that do have the will and the effort to to maximize and pull out all the potential in that dog. I don't I don't want to go halfway. I mean, I don't need to go halfway. I want the 100% investment. You know, I I don't want to say the wrong things here because I know there's people out there that really trying to 
they may may be coming into it first time, and 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 they they don't just they just don't understand that most of us, depending on the breeding program, we probably got a list of breed people buying before we even started. You know, as it, I like to think we do, but it's not always the case. But the thing is, you're coming to this breeder. The more you come to this breeder with understanding of where he is, what his accomplishments are, the better you are to entertaining his conversations. Meaning, he's going to say, well, you knew about this dog, you knew about that dog. So the more history you understand, and history is so important in your selection. The more you res- you know, you resource the information and get it together and does it meet the criteria where you want, and these are the, the names of the breeders that seem to serve more predominantly for what you want, because of that information, now you can ask the right questions. The right questions is, I want to go, I want to play, I'll just plagiarize some stuff, (laughs) excuse me. Let's say I want to go to NAFTA, and I want to go to the Invitational. So where where do the Invitational dogs lie? And then I get these host of individuals, and then I start going for them. They say, my puppy's gone. Well, where are they connected? What happens is because you know where they're connected, because of the history development you made, you made yourself a potential buyer. Hey, I have a question for you. What color are your dogs? Brown, <laughs> brown, white tit. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you often, you know, if, if that's the first question that comes down the line, hey, do you have any black dogs? Do you have any brown dogs? Do you have any liver dogs? You know, that is the fast track to get off the list right there. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, color. <laughs> All, all I want is a, a liver and roan exactly. male exactly. that's, you know, 70 pounds. Yeah. That's, that's the first question. So again, let, let's, let's get back to, you have six pups on the ground. You know, those six pups have to go to six different homes. How are you as the breeder selecting and matching the right pup? You, you, you went through and you asked all the buyers the questions. You kind of have a feel for what everybody wants. You know, say, use me for an example. I want that grouse and woodcock dog. I need them to be honest. I need them to be able to hold true because down here in the southeast, we don't count flushes per walk. We count flushes per season. So when they come across it, I need it to actually hold the bird there. You know, use me for an example. What are you looking for in a puppy to match up my needs and and my wants? Really, I know that I have the genetic package to support you in. I've done, I've done, I've done enough breeding. We've, we've, we've been in this game long enough. You know, if you think about a breeder, I mean, a new, you got to start somewhere, but at some point a breeder is going to have enough, enough stake in the game. It's been in the game long enough to start producing what it wants, you know, you hope, you know, you're you're always trying to better it, whatever. But, but, you know, at some point you're going to be like, Oh no, I, I got everything I want. How do I not backtrack? You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I I, yep. I I need to breed the next dog to be as good as the one before. Okay. And how do we how do I go about doing it? So I do all my homework and I get there. Okay. And so I say, hey Nick, all right, 
So you, you want this dog. I, I, I see that you're going to hunt this much. Okay. Um, what do you, what do you, what do, what do you need from me? What you're going to, you need, you need a grouse and a woodcock dog. I'm going to, we're, we're in a marriage together, Nick. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're, we're together <laughs> in this. You're not going to go float away and I'm not, you're not going to take my, all my hard work and just be like, Oh, I'm going to have a glorious time wherever you are. No, <laughs> we're in this together. You're going to get a phone call from me. You're often, very often. Yep. I want to know yep. that you're doing your work. I want to know, you know, and, and for us, we, we, we go through two systems. We go through the NADKC because they do form and yep. You know, and and they have they have great things. Yeah, you know, I know you're doing a lot of podcasts with Scott Caldwell, and 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 you guys know a lot about the NADKC. We also do NAVTA as well, and so we get we get we get the whole gamut, and we get to we get to know what our line has. Okay, so I know what the genetic package I have. So you're doing a certain type of hunting. Great, fantastic. I'm going to support you in that. Okay, what do you? Your dog's eight weeks old. You just got it home. Fantastic. What are you going to do? I got to add another bomb. <laughs> okay, you come to me. Hey, Nick, I got, I had a five-month-old puppy. Name is Willa. Five months old, she was pointing grouse and woodcock. And I was shooting them over her. And she was retrieving to him, a little mouthy at first. I had four-strained her. But this is, this is the genetic package I start with. So I'm now selling you my litter, right? This bitch now, at one year of age, I ran her in the NAVDA Naturability Test, prize one. I ran her in the Utility Test for a 204 prize one at a year of age. I ran her, I ran her in a DK. She got her Derby prize one, and I ran her so in her in her Soam. Uh, um, Soames at the same age that's that same year and I get I got a, uh, a prize one and she also is the Derby dog of the year for the NADKC because of three four H's one in nose one in search and one in pointing so what is the genetic package of that dog I mean, you, and I can tell you, she is the most unpatient <laughs> little bitch you ever wanted to meet. <laughs> right? And that's the question. That's the question I'm not afraid to today. So when I breed, what am I trying to do? Stability, patience, whatever. But Nick, I mean, as as you being the buyer of our pup, you know, what 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 do we need from you? You know, what investment we're you're not going to just go walk away and, and, and just be alone with your dog in the woods. You know, you're going to. No, no. And I mean, it, it it's one of those, you know, if, if you could trust everybody saying, you know, to do what they say they want to do, then there wouldn't be any issues. Right. Everybody who ever talks to you about, you know, going grouse hunting or woodcock hunting, you can just take them at their word and they're going to go do it. But, you know, maybe two or three years in and, you know, take the Southeast, for example, there's hardly any birds, you know, maybe they're not as gung ho as what they thought they were going to be. Right. And so, you know, as a breeder, y'all want the same level of commitment that I want 
my breeder to have in developing their good dogs. You want to know that I'm going to actually do what I say or plan on doing. You want to know that I'm actually going to test and train to the level that you get, you guys as breeders get the feedback that you guys want. So, I mean, you know, it really is a double-sided relationship for years to come. It's not just, uh, you know, you, you buy, buy a product from somebody and then you get a receipt and then see you for, later. For, for That's really for it. us in, in, in any breeder, there, there is a ton of investment that goes into that breeding. I mean, if you think about, you know, just before the, I mean, you even get the breeding, the years of, 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 of genetic testing, the research, the, what, what is the best for this line? And you get that and you get the puppy on the ground and then you find the right buyer. You want to see the full potential out of that buyer. You know, the buyer comes to you with a dream. They dream to hunt, uh, um, Huns, a dream to hunt grouse and woodcock and, you want to see that 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 buyer gets that dream, you know. And for us, that that starts with training. You know, you buy a puppy from us, you're getting the training that goes along with it. You know, so the second you get a puppy, if you're in the area and you can make the the the, the travel, you're coming to our classes for a year, you more, whatever you need to get into the woods. And when you get in the woods, it's it's funny. So. We got you through your testing. We got you through your training. We got you everything you need in your dog. And then you hit, then you hit um, the woods. And suddenly there's like, oh, my God, <laughs> my dog is, is not ready. What do, you, what do I do? Yep. You know? And we're like, okay. So, yep. so, so you went from Little League, and now, 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 now you're in Major League. Okay. You're hunting from yeah. Woodcock. Okay. Let's, 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 let's take that piece by piece because there, there's learning. I mean, you can get everything you want in your training. You know, you got steady wing and shot on chucker. You got steady wing on shot on pheasant and quail. Great. You know, you yeah. hit the woods on wild game. Suddenly there's a whole new learning curve. And a lot of people are surprised by that. You know, and we're, yeah. Hey, Nick. Um, one of the things we do only because we try to sell as many dogs within our local area as possibly. And I, I, I started that a number of years ago. We give free training, only the price of the birds, whatever, whatever the bird costs. But I did it in the early days because I want to see what the trainability, what, what am I producing? How, how, yeah. How does the average person come and what it comes to with this problem and what does my dogs bring that are they able to get over the infancy of, of, of owning a dog, right? In the early days, I we wanted a dog that the I, – I, I wanted the average working guy – he comes out of work four o'clock in the afternoon, trains for a few minutes, uh, ten minutes or twenty minutes, uh, has to s- devote a weekend to get to something. Is the genetic package capable of carrying that guy to the field and eventually to a hunting situation? And could that dog have genetically a strong pointing, a retrieving drive, um, cooperation, and somehow? be able to go through the disorder of this guy not understanding what, where he is headed, right? Yep. That's a magic combination. And it, 
it comes from the bitches. The bitches carry more of the litter than the males do. My just this is just my personal understanding. So so let me throw something at you. So so you have some really good buyers, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. You, you we 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 get a lot of lot of inquiries, and we get we get to bet a lot of different people. We're fortunate in that way. But let's say you get you get a good buyer, you know, and your price point. How do you, how do you play that price point? You know, are your puppies 400, 500? Are they 2,000, 3,000? I mean, where, where do you value? I mean, how do you come up with a price point for those puppies? It isn't, to me, as a, as a breeder, it isn't a price point. I want to cover, I want to cover the expense of the litter. Sure. Right. And I know that my service time Yeah, it has value, but it, it, it's, it's not as relevant as what I'm doing. I guess the breeder you want to go to, and I'm going to give you where I am and what my goals were from the day I first started with a versatile hunting dog. I wanted to leave this world with a dog better than I started with. and. I found that, geez, ninety percent of the people that I get involved with training, give them the training, work them the puppy through, and then they come back and the stories they tell me, it, it's a feedback. It's important. It's an important <clears throat> feedback. And Nick, for for me, you know, and I think about like, you know, we're trying to create a price point that you know doesn't discourage a good buyer. At the same time, yeah. It, provides value for the dog that you're providing you know the the if the person is getting a really cheap dog you know some 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 you know i didn't invest much i'm not going to invest much you know if you think about the buyer possibly, mm-hmm. you know if they if they invest enough they're going to invest more because they realize that they they put a financial investment in this dog um does that come for us does that come back with training absolutely we're going to invest in you but at the same point, you know, that investment makes makes value in that dog. You know, I spent that money sure. and I'm going to I'm going to invest my time to match, you know, that that level of financial investment. And my next question is, do you have a wife? <laughs> what? Do you have children? <laughs> what is your vested time in them? Um, job. Is your wife in total agreement with us? Are you capable of, 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 listen, let's say I charge you $2,000 for a puppy. You're going to pay <laughs> bird expenses, developmental time. Drop in the bucket. That is a drop in the bucket for what's coming at you. So you got a wife, yeah. you got four children. What's the financial statement? Time. Are you, have you got the time commitment? And truthfully, you got 10 minutes a day, three times a day, you train a dog. You know, that time commitment. But I'm looking for the hunting commitment, the want to to, to develop that young dog. But you also got a husband that doesn't have the time. You know, we got to play both sides of the coin. I want to be (laughs) both. I am not kidding you. The number of women 
coming. The husbands do not want to do the dog training. The wife takes on the responsibility, and then there's a conflict. Yeah. Right? The wife says, I'll train this, this, and the husband said, he didn't want to get involved with the testing. He didn't want to get involved with the commitment. But the wife says, she's not hurt me any. I hunt. I'll, I'll go this route. I love that connection. Hey, Nick, we're in a really good place. Yeah. And I'm, I'm speaking for Maine. You know, um, there is yeah. a huge um, Becoming an Outdoor Woman um, movement going on in Maine right now. And, and um, the women that I'm training are the same. I mean, I'm training almost 50-50, men and women at this point. And it is just fantastic. And, awesome. and they have the same level, if not more, investment and more to prove and whatever than the men do. But they're so much easier to train. <laughs> Imagine listen. that. Oh, my God. They listen. I, I have to go that. through. Guys come, tell me where they are, where they're going, and I go on, how's that working for you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> his, his philosophy is okay if it comes with guys it's okay go ahead and bloody your knuckles a little bit let's let, let's see you like mess up. Okay, yeah, to the yeah. point. okay you ready to listen now okay let's yeah yeah come to me when you're actually ready to do something yeah absolutely all right jason and blaine i, I really appreciate your time tonight i think that's going to wrap us up for this first week and uh it was a fun conversation but next week we're actually going to be joined with the boss the matriarch of the family right absolutely <laughs> all right so that i'm looking forward to another fun conversation next week <laughs> thank you for listening to gdiy if you enjoy this podcast please remember to take a moment to rate review and share with a friend also be sure to follow us and our partners on facebook and instagram under gundog it yourself if you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash gundog it yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just have to replace it again and year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.